early 21st century, magic reawakened on Earth, and alongside it, a new human race with orcs, elves, trolls, dwarves, and others. Humanity became metahumanity. As technology proliferated and greatly advanced in the awakened world, global megacorporations seized ever more power, becoming de facto states with their own laws, courts, and armed forces. The corporations attempt to control all aspects of modern life. This has led to a vast and complex criminal underground which works for and against corporate interests. The independent career criminals who do what others can't or won't are called Shadowrunners. The year is 2101. Welcome to Fun City. Previously on Fun City, the crew spent a year inside after the NYPD police drone fleet was infected with a virus that caused their facial recognition systems to mistake everyone for violent criminals in need of indiscriminate tasing. Only recently have things started to feel safe, and only earlier today did everyone in New York City get the all clear. Gabe rushes off the Mrs. Egg to party like it's 2099, and while the rest of the crew decide if they want to join, NYPD Incorporated bureaucrat Vern Solix sends them a job. Head to an island in the archipelago and dissuade some whooshing wage mages from re-aspecting a ley line controlled by friends of his at Horizon. The team is unsure if they want to continue associating with cops, but they need the money and take the job. They go hard on the targets, killing two of the three mages whom Viv buries at sea. Vern reasserts his concern about Evo's bizarre experiments, especially now that the police are striking, but he's been busy. First, he needs the team to go to the Carnegie Hill Autonomous Zone, the Chaz, a newly formed anarchist enclave occupying the Carnegie Arcology, and report back to him about what they have going on inside. We join the team now as they leave the PBA with invites to the hottest tickets in town, a guided Chaz tour, and credentials to pass through Midtown to get there. Lash uh, kind of bumps Lux's arm and says, hey, do you have those those tour passes in your comlink? Uh, Lux double checks and says, "Yeah, I got them right here." What's my name? What's my name for the pass? What did Vern do? What did? What oh did wait, let the... me see. Let me see if these all have photos. Yes, they do. Your photo is here. Your name is Blarmy Lulahan. Blarmy. Blarmy Lulahan. <laughs> Vern. Blarmy Lulahan. Vern. Oh. Blarmy Lulahan. Is this Blarmy? is this the name you chose? Yes. Yes, I had asked Vern. I oh, you asked Vern. Okay, okay. I was yeah, asking Vern asked... if this is the name that he chose. I, I don't know. I've never no, heard I, that name. I'm so glad. I actually <laughs> uh, comlinked Vern and said, "Yeah, put in all these names in case you ever need to put our names in for something." <laughs> and you'll see on your past Lux, go scroll to yours. You mm-hmm. are named Johnson. Johnson. Johnson Johnson is a terrible name <laughs> that no one is going to believe. What? That one came to me in the middle of the night. I was having a dream and I woke up and I said, Johnson Johnson. Now that's a nice name. I would like to name my first son that. So that's really nice. You like it? Yeah, I, I like it. Viv, obviously you are Agnes Biddlebottom. 
obviously? <laughs> you say yes. obviously Agnes Biddlebottom? Was there something I missed? I mean, it sounds pretty obvious. It sounds pretty obvious to me. What? Thank you, TK. You guys are leaving the PBA, uh, like going through the front door, and all of the Lone Star guys are listening to you argue as you exit. Like, what is, like, Agnes Biddlebottom? <laughs> it sounds very, very close to Biddy Big Boy. Biddy Big Boy? It's from the, uh, the uh, flipper job. And TK, obviously, you're Sly Stallone. Hell yeah. That sounds very Sly. familiar. I've heard that name before. No, you haven't. So you guys head outside. Uh, like I said, it's like a little windy. It's rainy. It's gray. It's evening. It's getting dark. And you're in downtown Manhattan. The Chaz is on the Upper East Side, on the other side of some dozen or so corporate neighborhoods, very tightly controlled at this moment by uh, night errant security. So you're all going to take Henley. You're going to get in Henley and go up north. Mm-hmm. So you pass through this uh, Lone Star border, you know, sort of security checkpoint that's uh, surrounding the PBA, and you get in Henley the Bentley. Vern has comlinked all of you, the Chaz reservation, all of the tickets as mentioned, and what seem like a number of legit credentials for passing through all of the security checkpoints that you have to go through. The route, just sort of like looking at the list of credentials and the neighborhoods that they're for and the times that they're for, is a little circuitous and it takes you in this strange kind of zigzag throughout a smattering of neighborhoods that he's I guess been able to like broker clearance for which I think gives you all the very strong impression that the tensions between the cops uh, between NYPD maybe Lone Star definitely Knight Errant really makes getting around the city hard even for Vern that even he like sort of has to there's no direct route and he's going to make phone calls to get you through the center of the city so uh, the easiest thing for you to do would be to make sure that your comms are not running silent uh, so that all of your credentials can be scanned at every checkpoint program the route that Vern sent you into Henley the Bentley and just sit back in the car, let it drive through Manhattan and hope nothing goes wrong and hope that Vern did all of his due diligence, which I mean, he's German. So um, <laughs> is that what you guys want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Except guys, can I DJ? Yeah, of course. Hit it. Sly. <laughs> oh, see, I, yeah, yeah, Johnson, Dan Johnson. Uh, I go by JJ. Oh, right, JJ, short for Johnson. Johnson, got it, got it. Uh, I think TK's gonna put on some uh, some deep melodic drum and bass. Hell yes, yeah. How much flute in this deep melodic drum and bass? You know, yeah, I'll roll, I'll roll, I'll roll a, a D twenty. <laughs> I like I like that the answer already is a D20 amount of flute. <laughs> well, because I mean, think about it, right? Like, I don't want to get hits. Like, it's yeah, like true. Flute or not flute. I got a 10. So that's that's like you. That's 50 50. Yeah, that's a medium amount of flute. Yeah. yeah. Solidly center in the flute zone. OK, mm. this is good. You're in full chill introspective mode as you enter into the center of Manhattan. This like super locked down zone. Henley just brings you through this pathway that Vern has made.
while you are making your circuitous journey across Manhattan listening to the deep and melodic drum and bass. I figured, since you have chosen to go to do this this way, this is now a good time for both your characters with the perfect soundtrack um, <laughs> and uh, us uh, as, as players playing a game um, to reflect <laughs> on the last year mechanically. Um, also, the job that you finished uh, this evening in game, uh, which, <laughs> which means uh, talking about karma. Um, so shall we take shall we take this car ride through Manhattan, this autopilot car ride on Manhattan to distribute and then spend some karma? How does that sound? Sounds, Sounds great. Good. Mike, what's karma? Karma. I, started, I I I started listening to this show when it was wild sci-fi, and I don't know what karma is with these new characters. That's a good question, Taylor. Thanks for asking. Uh, in embarrassing Shadow to admit, honestly, I, but you know that I, horse kicked me in the face. Yeah. Taylor, do you legitimately are. not know? You've just forgotten. <laughs> no, asking for a listener. <laughs> Karma, you can think of karma like experience points uh, in other tabletop role-playing games. Karma is the thing that players are awarded uh, for completing jobs uh, and gaining renown doing things. And they spend, they both bank and then spend that karma in order to grow their characters. And so karma can be spent to increase permanent attributes like logic or body or reaction. It can be spent to increase dice pools for skills like um, hacking or spell casting and so on. It can be used to uh, buy or negate qualities to gain knowledge and so on and so forth uh, the way that we play this game um, there is a sort of base level amount of karma that everybody gets when you turn in a job and then that is augmented or diminished based upon things that happened in uh, the dispatch of those duties and so we're going to do that for a number of things right now taylor how'd i do did that answer the question it's great yes um, as discussed in the last episode, you all have spent the last year hiding indoors away from swarms of NYPD drones infected with a virus that would cause them to indiscriminately aggress basically anyone they saw. But as suggested by both our uh, real life experience and last episode, uh, Lux's bread baking and Viv's transformation to a full on Facebook grandma. Um, <laughs> Just because you are all inside for a year doesn't mean that you did not experience a fair amount of personal growth. And so we are going to talk about how much karma you got for the harrowing ordeal of the last year and also for a few outstanding jobs, uh, both from before our own real life pandemic uh, disruption in, in production and stuff and some of the more recent things that you've done, which uh, also reminds me. I think we, we got this wrong um, in the last episode because uh, now looking and thinking more carefully about the timeline in game, it is now officially the year 2102. Oh, uh, <laughs> snap. It is actually well into 2102. It is autumn in 2102. So we are going to get to 2103 soon. No way. Listen, I is there no way we're going to lap this podcast? I was hoping we keep recording <laughs> until eventually uh -huh. we lap it. And now it's seeming like time's moving too quickly in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just you want to you just want to catch up to Lash so you can meet her? Yeah. <laughs> first things first for having dealt with the last year of horror and drama everyone gets 
12 karma. No way. No way. I mean, okay, but think about it. Think about how many missions we would have gone on in that time, right? That's true. Right before, speaking of which, right before going into lockdown, your characters also finished jobs for both Irina and for Yuri. We, as people in the world, uh, as as players, as Mike and Jen and Taylor and Shannon and Bijan and Nick, um, <laughs> Hello. Have, have not actually finished out either of those runs. Though there is a chance that we may play them as flashback bone cone at some point in the future. In narrative, though, uh, for the sake of progression, we are going to call them complete and in the past. So, to review, for Irina... You managed to get the Muni data center packet sniffer. Now that happened. In, I saw that happen. Uh, you managed to get access for that into Calixto's hands. Do you remember Calixto? Yes. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. The person in uh, in the market. They got access to the Flipper Muni data center so that the people of the South Bronx had a fighting chance against Flipper buying up all of their real estate in that sort of uh, like high frequency trading style that they were doing. However, it didn't end up mattering in the long run because Flipper went out of business <laughs> during the drone virus right. and was fully liquidated by its megacorp backers like a month later. Oh my God. Harris Trevorrow is now at this point onto his next startup. Uh, he's the CEO of a firm that collects and sells quote, real estate and land use data whatever that means. Mm. Uh, that company is called Prospector with a K. And as you might guess, there is no second E. Mm. <laughs> for that job, which you turned into Irina to get help for Yuri's job, everyone starts with five karma. So give yourself five more karma. However, mm -hmm. um, as has been the case in the past, um, that we're going to sort of change that around a little bit based on a few things. Everyone gets an additional two karma for helping the little guy taking a job that wasn't corporate uh, or uh, for a police force uh, for standing up to some corporate back neighborhood interlopers like, you know, stick it to the man. Good job. So two additional karma to everyone for that. Hooray. N Nicholas. Yes. Uh, uh oh. I'm, I'm going to give you another Two additional karma for Lux's stellar performance as Michael Stewart. <laughs> yes. Yeah, at Michael the Muni Stewart. Data Center. Yes. And also, Shannon, I'm going to give you two additional karma for Lash for uh, her and your stellar performance as Martha Washington, the shoe influencer. And for being just incredibly unconvincingly, but charmingly um, uh, impersonating Tyler, the front door guy at the flipper offices. <laughs> I right. was okay. Strong B, <laughs> B minus. That was great. Jen, you can give Viv one extra karma. Mm -hmm. Um and also, um, at this moment, right now, her full edge count back. Oh. Uh, so any edge that she has spent, you can just give it back to her. She can be at, f at full edge. Uh, back for the extremely viv move of controlling the actions of a man who was <laughs> just trying to do his job. Uh, and causing him, causing him to, to, to experience an extreme amount of intense body horror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I forgot about that. 
<laughs> Bijan, you can argue with me about this if you want. Uh, but let me let me get through it and then you can you can tell me what you think. Very excited to argue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um not all of this made its not all of what I'm about to reference made its way into the final cut of the show. Like some of this ended up in Bone Cone, uh, but it has had a, a lasting impact in the way that we play the game. Uh, and so I wanted to acknowledge it somehow. In Flipper, uh, TK came face to face with a room full of consumer <laughs> electronics. Oh, I know what this is about. And and I think got 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 a little flooded, had a little bit of anxiety. He opted for the like the ha- the like hack and smash like break as opposed to you know the sort of technological solution over a sort of like fine-tuned approach you might call it and i <laughs> i was thinking i was wondering if maybe that left an impression on him that he went into this flipper server room saw this weird house setup that was there um you know thought like okay i can i can use my hacking skills to deal with all of this but like got a little overwhelmed decided to break things and then for over the next year when he was stuck inside for a spell like did some research did some practice did some training uh maybe took some classes and if you agree and you think this is possible or likely i'm gonna say that tk now has a specialization in hacking consumer level home goods <laughs> yeah nice Yes. So I'm talking. I'm talking fridges. You're fridges. talking toasters. I'm You're talking, speaking specifically about a toaster. I'm talking irons. I'm talking irons. I'm talking exercise mirrors. I'm talking home stereo equipment. I'm talking vacuums. Vacuums. I'm talking nice. toasters. I'm talking toasters. He's talking toasters. I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I might argue. That is fun. Love I'm trying that. to find something to argue about, though. I uh, I can't think, I think of anything. You, you could. <laughs> You could argue what is considered a consumer home. Oh, yeah, but that comes later. That's not like, yeah. That comes later, yeah. In the moment, that's just, yeah. That's just me. I now have to watch myself when you're in a location and you ask for further further information or so about something and I just have to say, oh, it's consumer level. Yeah. yeah. Flipper dealt with. Irina gave you a very powerful talisman and you went out um, east to Highland Island, way, way out east in the archipelago. You probably did this around the first week of the drone virus uh, while the first few innocent people were being tased by police drones and eventually some of them killed. Probably it was very unsafe for you to be out in public working, but no one knew the extent of the danger yet. And either way, uh, you were successful. For Yuri, you successfully dispatched what he referred to as a bug ghost. Bug ghost. You Bug learned. ghost. <laughs> you learned uh, upon arrival that it was, in fact, not a bug ghost, but a, a bug spirit. In fact, it was an insect god. So technically, <laughs> bug ghost is correct. Technically, I guess, yes, correct. For that job, which again, I will restate, we have not actually played, but which we are saying in narrative has already occurred. Everyone may start with six karma. With the following modifications. <laughs> now, now I'm going to 
ask you guys. Here we yeah, go. I'm going to ask, Here we ask go. you to tell me some of the things that you think happened on this mission that we, that on this, this run that we have not actually played. <laughs> Do you think that you killed anyone in dealing with the bug ghost God and the group of people who worshipped it in the massive and absolutely disgusting warehouse that Yuri purchased? Can and you, asked you, can to you clean tell out? us before I answer that, can you explain what kinds of people there were, would, would have been in there? I think so in my mind when I was designing this run, when when we were going to play it, uh, there were going to be Mad Max style like war boys who worshipped this bug god. I don't want to say too much more about what I imagined, because if we are eventually going to play it, I'm going to go back into my notebook a year and some change and I'm just going to use it. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say too much, but yeah. And I think like, I would think of them as people who, you know, they live in this empty semi decrepit warehouse, uh, worshiping a bug God that is very real. And I want to be clear. The bug God exists and is real. Yes. And and like, in a in a manner of speaking, they are correct to worship it. Yeah. Viv absolutely killed somebody. Yeah. My opinion. (laughs) My opinion is that Lux t- couldn't, but um, it's just too easy for TK and Viv to accidentally okay. kill somebody for somebody That's not to have stereotyping. died. Stereotyping. <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah. know that somebody <laughs> would have necessarily died. You know, maybe they just needed medical attention desperately. You know, we, we sometimes can't say. TK, I your, would say your fists go through people, and then sometimes they knock them down lightly <laughs> and kind of. <laughs> In kind of a Three Stooges way. So I, I really don't know. Um, my yeah, guess is I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to guess maybe one person. I think we can average it out. You know, like what's our average for, for runs, right? Like, it's it, seems like, one. it seems like it's, I don't know. I think it's I, two. I think you're being too hard on these characters. Okay, but think about it. Did they deserve to die? Okay, that's not what I'm asking. Well, but it's a practical question. It relates. I think no matter what, the answer is definitely yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say, even though we all did kill someone, Lash did not kill anyone, but she did make a friend. Oh. Lash definitely made. Lash definitely <laughs> made a friend. I'm. I do not want to ask for clarification because I want to find out when we play this what that means yeah. and how it happens. Do they know that they're friends with her now? <laughs> good question. Very good question. I flipped a coin and it was going to be between you killed one. You definitely killed with no question one person versus two people. It came out as one. So everybody subtract one karma. So everybody's now starting with five and instead of six cool Got it. who amongst you do you think suffered the most in the bug ghost run and how Ooh. well okay so i'm thinking like lux would be like don't do that you don't need to do we don't we could sneak and then you know maybe somebody gets melted or whatever so I, you could you could look at it that <laughs> way you could also look at it like sure. you know lash has to fight her friends her new friends who she's just met <laughs> Emotional damage, lots yeah. of emotional damage. On the other hand, you know, I think it's frustrated, frustrating to, you know, punch somebody and then for them to just fall down and nothing else to happen. And I, I feel like, you know, TK might 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 have taken some emotional sort of damage in that regard. I love the idea that in the in the fighting of a bug god, TK uh, <laughs> suffers the most because he whiffs yeah, it once. You, it's, <laughs> have you ever, have you, okay. Just Do you know how trauma on weeks. the internet works? <laughs> <laughs> what if he, he beefed it, you know? 
Who knows? <laughs> uh, Viv could have also suffered a lot of drain for oh, summoning actual physical suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say Viv because Viv probably did most of the bug ghost <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Because like, so I, I mean, the next the next question also just spoiler alert is gonna be who is the MVP and why? So I think it was Viv, and I think Viv probably had to sacrifice a lot because Lux probably ended up in some sort of giant spider web somewhere. <laughs> In some yes. in some basement. Yeah. Um, Locks for MVP. For some no, reason. No, that means I'm not the MVP. And Viv had to go through great personal. For some reason. Probably had pie all over my face. I did find a pie this time. It didn't help with the giant spiders. Um, like I thought it might. Um, and um, I was just about to be drained of all of my fluids when Viv, through great personal uh, sacrifice, um, actually helps me. And I think she's the MVP and she suffers because of it. No, I, okay, I don't think okay. it should be both. Yeah, so I'm going to say I'm gonna say that Lux is the one that suffers the most. Okay, maybe I got bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like And maybe... my insides were turning to liquid as she rescued yeah. me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, so Lux can have two additional karma for suffering for suffering yeah. yay um and yeah so if viv has rescued him then yes viv can have um two additional karma for being the mvp <laughs> theoretically um, the mvp yeah, the theoretically the mvp the last thing that you need to be awarded karma for your job that you just did for Vern that you finished earlier this evening okay. the <laughs> whooshing wage mage job everyone <laughs> Crap. for that job gains three karma it's a small quick job but then everyone loses two karma for the people who were killed. Were they killed? It's like it was probably their fault. <laughs> no, they... But then Viv gains two karma back for offering their bodies to the sea. Damn. <laughs> there is also now definitely a wage mage who works for Wuxing out there telling stories about you and... The one-two punch, like going from bug god job to now this whooshing wage mage uh, strong arming, like your renown in certain magical circles in New York City is definitely growing. There's definitely people out there telling stories about this group of four people uh, who really are causing a lot of trouble. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah, don't rely on those mana shields because TK's just going to punch those down. Important. <laughs> yeah. Now that everyone has karma to spend, we are going to go flip through the core rulebook for a moment. We're going to be right back. It's going to be an instantaneous edit uh, for you, the audience, uh, but it's going to be um, a little bit for us. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what everybody has spent their karma on. We are going to keep recording and we're going to upload the real sort of like nitty gritty of what we're going to discuss uh, over the next few minutes for patrons only. So if that sort of thing interests you, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures. Uh, but uh, if not, uh, I'm going to cue the music and we'll be right back. Hey gang. This is Nick from Fun City. I I'm reaching out to you today, actually, in confidence. I ask that you not tell any of the rest of the cast or crew on Fun City about this message. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fun City Ventures, and we'd love for you to join. I'm afraid the rest of them are too proud to ask anyone uh, for money or anything like that. And I have gone along with them because I know that they were proud, especially Shannon. Shannon's so proud. She doesn't even like to admit that she pays money for groceries or needs it. Now, here's what I think we could do. 
if everybody acts like they were trying to go to a different Patreon, maybe fun, fun, fun city ventures say, oh, no, we meant to do that. We'll pay. But we meant to do that. I, oh, I actually like the show now. It would help their egos a lot. Now, are we going to have to practice and rehearse? Yes. Are we have to meet every week? Yes. We're going to have to meet every week so we can really convince Mike and Taylor and Bijan and Shannon and Jen that none of this comes from this commercial and it's completely unrelated that you're giving money not to us but to a different show, but you happen to like it and now you'll, you're fine. Just you don't feel like changing the, the settings or whatever. The truth is that Mike won't even take money from his other jobs. I've been sneaking food into his house for six years. Taylor, poor Taylor. <sighs> he doesn't even wear clothes anymore. So I, I am I'm intervening. Let's get Taylor some clothes. Let's get Mike some food. Let's get Shannon a reasonable car. Her car is so ugly. And Bajan, God knows that poor soul. He's dancing for $5 a, a pop at some silly bar because he doesn't want to make money through Patreon. And he won't tell anybody about it. And he wears a mask, so he thinks nobody knows. But it's it's not necessary because I feel like, well, first off, this whole Fum City thing could totally work. And so we're totally protecting their egos. But even if we ask people to join the Patreon, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, like I think that like a lot of podcasts and stuff who people like spend a lot of time and effort on these things. Like I, there's a lot of podcasts I subscribe to and I pay a point on the Patreon. I've, ta- I've told them all of this. None of this is convincing to them at all. They're all extremely proud. Jen is living inside of a big bagel store in Rhode Island, for God's sakes. She's won't take money for any of her stuff. She's inside this giant bagel store in Rhode Island. And it's like, Jen, just take a little bit of money from somewhere. And we're hoping, I'm hoping, that this Patreon could be something to just help them. If it's not enough to pay the bills, it'll be enough to let them learn that it's okay to take money if you are giving a lot in return. And speaking of that, what do you get in return for the Patreon? You get discounts for Fun City Live shows. Okay, and we're going to be doing more of those now that the pandemic looks like it's getting slightly. There's other things that you get. Okay. Bone cone. We do one-off games like brutal one-off games like Morkborg or silly one-off games. We do all kinds of stuff like that. We have fun city. That's the show that you get for free. We also have fun chatty. This is another show where we talk about Fun City. We talk about how bad the world is. We talk about other things, other problems that we have no hope of solving. It's great. And you get access to our Discord. There's nothing not to like. Everybody wins. But please, please show up to rehearsal. It'll be tomorrow. You all sit back in Henley as it cruises through Midtown. The traffic is terrible, as it always is, now with checkpoints, with border zones, with street closures. It looks like you're going to get to the Chaz just in time for the tour that Vern booked you. Every few blocks, your comms beep and they vibrate. Night-errant guards wave you through each gate robotically. There's dozens of them at each crossing point when you move from corporate neighborhood to corporate neighborhood. They're all standing at attention. 
They're always at a post. They are often in formation in their futuristic white paneled armor. Their faces are obscured by a reflective panel, black tactical fabric showing through each joint and knuckle, not an inch of human skin visible in the dark of the night. The video feed that's beamed into their helmet display rings their faces in a light blue halo. Cruising through the city, you all have a moment to think, maybe finally maybe again in a long line of again and again and agains about your last year. What did everybody learn or get or buy or acquire? Well, Lux primarily has become more intuitive uh, over the last uh, year. Um, His uh, intuition (laughs) rating has gone up from four to uh, five. Ooh, um, increasing an attribute, big deal. Yes, by spending uh, 25 uh, karma. This helps with several roles, including things like judge intentions. Basically, um, through all the trials and tribulations, Lux's intuitions have been sharpened. Uh, The other thing that Lux has uh, done, especially as he is growing uh, more and more in tune with his motivation and goal to get to the bottom of what's going on with Evo and perhaps what happened with his wife, ex-wife, is a focus on recon, uh, tracking people. And so he has a few subscriptions um, and some enhancements to his comlink, um, including thermographic vision, um, the ability to have... um, be able to measure micro fluctuations of temperature on people's skin um, and just generally get thermal readings. But what these software do is allow me to better uh, judge people's intentions, tell if people are lying, tell people are impersonating people, um, just generally, you know, recon, being more in tune with uh, people and whether or not they are lying. As they pass the tall buildings of Midtown, Lash is reminded of... Lux's apartment that he does not live in because she has <laughs> my been condo. Seeing, I own it. Yeah, she has been seeing the inside of the condo from her Zoom sessions with Rick Jones, mm-hmm. Blow Dart Extraordinaire. Actually, Hell one yeah. of the one of the classes actually Rick Jones was in Lux's bedroom on the Mrs. Egg. I don't know <sighs> what was happening there, but it was like all right, <laughs> what's this guy's deal with Lux? And um, so she has improved that skill. Also, she's just been spending, you know, over the past year, she was spending a lot of time on the Matrix. Uh, she wanted to be anywhere but where she was with her parents. So she was spending a lot of time online. And so she kind of uh, developed some new complex forms that maybe we'll see later on. Looking forward to it. Um, I think Viv was thinking back to the job with Irina and how Karen's foci were disposed of. And um, she felt like, you know, maybe I could have bonded to those, but maybe not. And so she decided to spend the year um, researching foci and purchasing them over the year, just like maybe one at a time. But they basically they are physical objects um, that have astral constructs embedded in them. And uh, she spent 
27 of her 29 karma on a spirit focus, um, one attuned to summoning water spirits as she is want to do. This adds a dice equal to the force, which she chose six, to summoning attempts. So that affects both the success of the summoning attempt and the amount of services owed from the spirit that is summoned. Oh, dang. Which is very exciting. She also got a weapon focus. So the combat axe that she already has is now going to be imbued with astral power so it's gonna be uh extra fun um watching viv fight in future uh Uh battles yeah i mean tk was he he was he he was like he got sort of into not crypto but he was he was in crypto adjacent spaces online uh he never had time previously to do that because usually it's you you, it takes a certain amount of money and insulation from the real world to become a forum guy uh but what he got really into um the idea of making his own explosives uh He be- he became a middle school boy. He's just he's reverting to some sort of mean. I don't know. He's really going through his <laughs> trenches, and he also realized you know he has adult money, so he bought a new cyber deck. Got to do it. It was time for an upgrade. Who on the crew is the most mad at TK? Obviously, Lux with the demolition stuff. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> team sit back in Henley and think about their year. It takes an hour and change going serpentine through the band of lockdown corporate enclaves of Midtown, but they'll get to their tour on time. When Manhattan was rebuilt, a consortium of enterprising megacorps sought fit to group all of the major cultural institutions, the Guggenheim, the Morgan Library, the Jewish Museum, the relocated MoMA, Met, and Carnegie Hall, all together around Museum Row in a neighborhood once called Carnegie Hill. Through inspired legal trickery, those corps got the same neighborhood designated a low-income residential area in need of revitalization, thus netting incredible tax breaks for their billions of new yen of investment in already wealthy organizations. But when the NYPD Incorporated strike happened, the corps scrambled to finalize their knight-errant contracts. The city rushed to iron out a Lone Star deal. No one particular group's responsibility, Carnegie Hill became, very briefly, a no-man's land. In the gap in oversight, before Lone Star moved in, a group of local, enterprising, anti-capitalist anarchists occupied and made a home of the Carnegie Arcology, one of the world's few in the United Canadian American States only arts arcology. Carnegie Hill has a strict curfew for vehicular traffic, so Henley drops the team off at the southern border and circles. The clouds slowly dissipate as the team walk north in the direction of the Chaz. Carnegie Hill is clean, almost too clean. It's a model maker's idea of the city, designed, polished. A place built to remind very specific groups of the glory, promise, and opulence of New York City but none of its injustice or tragedy. Um, Viv Viv is quickly making a hearth profile for Agnes Biddlebottom, who is a tourist. (laughs) And she takes a very quick selfie with her thumb in the camera. (laughs) 
I love how hard Viv has now committed to just being a social media grandma. Like, yeah, she's a hacker now. <laughs> so, uh, team, if anyone asks what's our relationship to each other, I'm thinking like we were an old soccer team that like has been disbanded for a couple of years, but we're getting back together to take a trip to New York City. I don't know. I just spitballing here. Does it look like I can play soccer? Absolutely. You've got you've got calves of steel. Lash, if we take this tour correctly, nobody's going to ask us, hey, how do you guys all know each other? We don't uh, have to okay. you know, know each other at all. It's important to be prepared. I appreciate the thought, Lash. Okay, we're a soccer team. Thank you. <laughs> oh, but we sh- I mean... I also agree with you, Lux. I think we should, un- unless somebody asks, we shouldn't deploy the cover. Strategic, you know? Strategic. Okay. We're, stri- we're strategically a soccer team. Think like a soccer player, don't act like one. Not unless you have to. Um, so you guys walk uh, from where Henley drops you off towards the direction of the chest. It's not too far. Uh, it's very nice out. Carnegie Hill is very clean. It's really well lit. And it's surprisingly crowded it's later it's like 8 30 or so it's like a tuesday there are a lot of people out here in this neighborhood and they're all heading in the same direction as you towards the chaz and there's a like a couple weird things about them that you all notice they're all really loud uh they're kind of celebratory like they're on their way to a party or like they've just left um, like an urban brawl game where their team has won. Like they're they're excited, kind of jubilant. The group of people that you see, this cr- this sort of loose crowd, almost entirely human and almost entirely dudes. They're also all dressed similarly. Uh, they're all wearing these like baggy cargo pants, uh, like baggy sort of collared shirts or bomber jackets. Um, many of them are even wearing the same kinds of shoes these thick, black-soled, black boots. These are definitely prowling NYPD police officers. And it's a lot of them, like dozens and dozens of them, in groups of three, four, sometimes more. And they're not really looking at you. They're very concerned with themselves, talking amongst themselves, joking, whooping, sort of hollering, definitely walking in the same direction you are. Viv has a resting scowl on her face from this. <laughs> I think TK is just trying to walk behind, very, like draft behind Lash, staying out of sight. Mike, how long has it been safe to like be outside after the drones? I mean, that the answer to that is different depending upon who you ask. Like some people have said that you, sh- you know, it was fine to walk around the city as long as you had a facial recognition defeating mask on for like the last two months. Uh, Some people said that, you know, really like the last drone uh, that could have hurt you was taken down like, you know, a week or two ago. As far as like officially, it's been maybe 12 hours. (laughs) So so it's like, yeah, there's there's differing answers to that question uh, in the same way that there are differing answers to that question in our world. So this this seems to be like the first crowd we've encountered since being inside for a year. It is definitely possible, depending upon, yeah, what you all have been doing for the last number of months, that this is the first big group of people that you have seen, uh, like, outside. Yeah, Viv has treasured her solitude over the past years and is definitely feeling irritated. I think TK has been uh, doing things in the shadows at night. 
occasionally. So he's he's not that bothered. But he also doesn't like cops, so he's hiding behind Lash. Lash kind of says a little bit too loudly to be discreet, but but like she knows that none of these people are looking at her or listening because they're all too in their own vibe. Vern's got a lot of friends here. I don't see why he needs us. Lash, keep it down. <sighs> We're a soccer team. We don't know the cops. I didn't know I was walking into this kind of thing. So as you keep walking, uh, you see the Chaz well in advance of your actual arrival. Uh, it's really big. It's two or more square blocks. It's 10 or so stories tall. And it's like, it's imposing and kind of weird. It is like a, it's a bona fide architectural amalgam. It's sort of like a museum metastasized and swallowed a library, a couple brownstones, an ultra-modern community center. It has these strange kind of like offshoots and turrets of brick and stone and steel and columns. And it all like grasps at this sense of authority, uh, which at first is totally undercut by how non sequitur it all is. It all looks kind of like thrown and pasted together. But then it's regained by just how big it is and how weighty. It also looks a little standoffish, especially because as you get closer, you realize that there is a large steel and brick wall that encircles the whole structure. It's about 15 feet high it's covered in ivy, and you can see these broad, lighted display panels scrolling underneath all of the vines and the leaves. And they're showing, as it sort of passes through a gap in the greenery, these advertisements for concert series and public education programs and community meetings, all things from the last year that never actually happened. You also see, as you get closer, a crowd and this is a different crowd than the one that you're kind of walking with these excited police it's a much bigger group and at first as you're approaching it's hard to tell what's going on but as you get closer and closer things become clearer first lone star is on the scene there's dozens of them well over a hundred maybe a hundred it's hard to tell because they're all wearing identical outfits black chambray tactical vests, a sort of bandolier of thin and fat pockets that ride across the chest. Obviously high-tech ballistic utility vests. They're all, to a man, wearing mirrored aviator sunglasses that just from the heft of the frame and the parts of the sunglasses that also touches the ears, they are clearly full of comms and augmented reality tech. They're all wearing white Stetson hats and wearing six-pointed silver stars on their tactical black chambray vests. Six of them are riding robotic horses. The kind of, of robotic horses where their, their legs sort of bend. Like, well, I guess that's the way normal horse legs bend. <laughs> the backwards way. Are you sure they don't bend in the opposite direction? Like, shouldn't they bend in the forward like direction? Like human legs? Yeah. Yes. The robotic horse's legs bend, you'd think... I, opposite of human, because that's the way robot legs build. But by this time, no. Robot legs have gone full circle and they bend forward, which seems normal when you think about human legs. But just imagine those kind of joints on a horse. Are you freaked out? You should be. It's terrifying. It's like a weird reverse centaur. 
the <laughs> the horses' heads have like just a slight hint of ears on the side of what appears to be just a single large barrel where the face ought to be. They prance behind the phalanx of the Lone Star Sheriff's line, occasionally giving orders, leaning over and talking to each other. Is one of them chewing a long blade of grass? What? Why? <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones? So the other thing about Lone Star is that they're like they're here. They're clearly working. Uh, they are guarding the Chaz in some regard. They also all look kind of bored. They like have the affect of museum guards or night watchmen. Like they're filling time and space. Like there's they're not really you know um, there's no action occurring. The second group that you see is uh, another sort of line or perimeter of people. And it's inside the perimeter that the group of Lone Star Sheriffs is making. And it's a line of people that's closer to the wall, which rings the Chaz. And it's a group of uh, people, just people. No single manner of dress, no single meta type. You, I think you would guess or put together that these are uh, residents of the Chaz, basically keeping an eye on the Lone Star sheriffs that were probably sent by the city to keep an eye on them. And as you approach and get closer and things continually come into focus, you do see that many of them are wearing pins, patches, uh, hats, shirts, etc., with a symbol that you all have likely seen on the news or on the Matrix that has become associated with the Autonomous Zone, which is this sort of like simple line drawing of a tree growing through a rock that has been split in two. Also of note, Vern asked you to tell him if the residents of the Chaz have guns. The answer to that is yes. They definitely do. Not all of them do, uh, but at least around the perimeter that you're seeing, about every fifth or so person amongst, you know, this citizen guard is armed. Uh, you see knives, swords, vibroblades. You see some, uh, like, whip sheaths, some batons. But you also see pistols and rifles. No one is brandishing anything. No one's pointing anything. They're mostly holding, carrying um, I also want to point out, Viv, if you were to a sense, you would definitely get the sense you would see that in this guard, there are a number of magic users. Uh, there are people who are here outside guarding the Chaz who are awakened. And then the third group that you see is the group that you uh, sort of came here with, uh, marauding, striking cops. Some of them, now that you're here out in front of the Chaz, are getting in the faces of... Uh, the residents of the Chaz who are standing along this wall that rings the arcology. But most of them are getting in the faces of the Lone Star Sheriffs. And it almost seems like that's why a lot of them are here. That they are here to harass Lone Star. And you hear accusations of scab, traitor, sympathizer. And you're pretty sure you hear some of these uh, NYPD officers like talking to Lone Star uh, sheriffs like they know them. Viv takes a short video, like just panning around with her glasses and saves it. You got it. Lash looks around the... So where are they? They're out just seeing the group. They're they're outside the building, right? Yeah, you're... So um, 
on the southwest corner of the Arcology campus, which is like roughly where you're approaching, there's a there's a big gated entrance, uh, and you're probably about I don't know, maybe 50, 75 feet from that. Lash looks around, just kind of checking out what kind of like um, you know what kind of security that they have on the building on the outside, and she whispers to TK, aka Sly, sort of a kind of sensing it's a tense situation here. Yep. Yeah. Y- y- your sense is correct. You sensed it correctly. Thank you, Lux. I figured. Lux, what do you think? What do, are we, do we need to deploy planned soccer team yet? No, I, I don't understand planned <laughs> soccer team. We clearly aren't even the same age. Um, <laughs> okay. If anyone asks, you should know this. The logo is a soccer ball, but the soccer ball is also a face and it's also really hairy a hairy face it's a hairy face soccer ball is it screaming also wow i love that like it's just i love that touch yes it's a hairy face soccer ball that's just been kicked so it's in a lot of pain actually the soccer ball just became (laughs) just became sentient and wow it does not like being a soccer ball Okay, uh, the, I, I, I sense that we're missing something here. As Lash is describing this to you, there's like almost a fist fight that breaks out probably about 20 feet to your right between a, a striking police officer and a Lone Star a sheriff who is there. Sounds like our cue. You guys want to sort of hustle hustle through the, the demilitarized zone here? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, on the southwest corner of the campus, uh, there is this large entryway. You can tell, and maybe you know if you had been here, you know, at some point in the last couple of years, that like there's this big wrought iron sort of Ivy League-esque threshold that you cross to enter into this sort of stately bastion of the arts. And now, yeah, it it's basically just been converted to kind of like a like a military checkpoint almost. And there is, in fact, a repurposed NYC checkpoint like what you drove through uh, when you left the police expo uh, a number of, uh, you know, a year and some change ago, like what you just drove through probably dozens of times across Midtown. Uh, It's like this big, gross thing that just obscures this once old, beautiful entrance with this gross, yellowing plastic, these big drapes of, like, wires, these garish, blinking screens. And there is a small group of people uh, that are not cops, not Lone Star Sheriffs, not uh, residents of the Chaz, who are passing underneath it. And as they do so, the checkpoint chimes as it checks their credentials. uh, And they pass through what is like probably like a slightly larger density of Chaz guards uh, who are guarding this entrance. Um, Lash, I can tell you as you approach, if you want to know what the sort of like outside Mm -hmm. security situation is, I I can tell you that. The outside security. There's a number of things that you notice on the outside. There are there's a lot of security cameras. Uh, you can see like blinking motion detectors. Uh, you can see uh, that there is some sort of like security system that you can't really tell what it is. Uh, that is inset in the top of the the wall. Like the wall has additional features. It's not just a wall. Um, but I think unless you do a matrix perception test, you might not know what those things are. You can also see that this building has been outfit with something that um, ha- has become popular in the last year around New York, which is anti-drone devices. And these are essentially net guns. 
that will track the location of uh, flying unmanned aerial vehicles and try to disable them if they mm. get too close. And so you see a number of those on the tallest points of the Carnegie ecology uh, and at some midpoints along its structure. So does this security look like it's, you know, kind of has been there for a while besides besides those net guns? Are most most of the security looks like it's like kind of like been there for a while or does it look like new? None of it looks like it's been grafted okay. on recently. Yeah, if that's what you mean. I think you would identify what you see insofar as you have, you know, an expertise in these things because of your line of work that like this is an it's a nice security system. It is what you would expect for a, a nice, well-funded cultural right. institution. OK, cool. You guys pass through uh, this big, ugly, garish checkpoint, um, and you are officially on the grounds of the Chaz. Uh, You have to cross this short lawn, and then you get to the, like, the lobby entrance, which is, in fact, uh, the the mostly still intact front foyer of Carnegie Hall. It's long, it's skinny, and it's marble. Uh, The stuff that you would expect from a stately institution. The ceiling is very tall, and as you enter in front of you, there's sort of these large, wide arced openings in the second floor that reveal this long, open office space on the second floor. Do you hear a kind of general office bustle? It's a very busy place, basically. Uh, There's a small sign in the middle of the lobby that reads, Next Tour, 8.45 p.m. You're all just kind of milling about for a few minutes. Yeah, Viv is looking up and around, like her face softening at the familiarity of it because she's been there before. How many uh, does it seem like fellow tour members are there around us? Yeah, about like tw- like mm. twenty or so, maybe. Lash is trying to look extremely casual. She's like leaned up against a wall with like one one of her elbows against the wall. It looks very unnatural. Roll, yeah, I was going to say roll performance for me. <laughs> do you want me to actually roll it? I think, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Cool. Let's see what happens. I do have a performance skill. You, s- you set the tone for... Yeah. <laughs> I have two, six. Okay. We're not necessarily here to do a heist, right? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's fine. Lash could Probably. just be really, really weird. Three hits. Um... <laughs> I'm going to say that you're like, you're not pulling it off, but like, it's not any more awkward than, you know, what might be base level awkwardness that anybody would have going on a tour of uh, something like this. Everybody's maybe sort of uncomfortable and doesn't know what to do with their hands in this moment. Perfect. Exactly the vibe she was trying to give off. (laughs) Great. Okay. So then in a way you nailed it by not nailing it. Anything else anyone wants to do or look at uh, before we continue? I, I mean, I think I think TK is, is sizing up the room. I mean, like, are there are there any threats in our group? Does anybody look especially large? So I think amongst the group of tour goers, no. Everybody kind of looks like an auto work artist. <laughs> okay, uh, right. Yeah, like everybody's sort of like in between like they're like 20 to 45, mostly human, but like not in a way that's strange. Like, you know, there's an orca troll, like there's like two elves, it's like pretty normal distribution. But everybody's like clearly someone who at some point has said about themselves, you yeah, know, like I just have some problems with authority. I think. <laughs> you do see walking around just in general, imposing people with guns, which I think maybe 
for you all, especially after the last year, maybe especially, especially after like just having lived in New York where firearms have been illegal for as long as most of you have been alive. Like just watching people walk around with a firearm strapped to their back is like strange. And these people look like they look like they know what they're doing. After a few minutes, you're standing there sizing up the crew, uh, trying to figure out what to do with your elbows, how to appropriately lean on various surfaces. You hear this long, low creaking noise. You all turn to your left and you see this young woman appear uh, at the top of a short staircase uh, that is at the one end uh, of this foyer. She's just opened this tall, wide metal door uh, at its top. She's short. Uh, she's wearing a tan jacket and black pants. She's got short hair and she's wearing a green knit beanie and and you can see right at the front of it, it's got that uh, Chaz tree and rock symbol that you know right on it. Behind her, uh, as sort of previously discussed, TK, are two other people, both very tall, very muscular, uh, rather androgynous with short hair, wearing what could only be described as urban warfare gear. They are both holding machine pistols. They look very stern. They are scowling. This woman who has appeared and opened this door, she starts talking and she goes, thanks so much everyone for coming. My name is Krista and I'm going to be guiding you on your tour this evening. First, I just want to say thank you so so much for your interest in the Chaz and for submitting all of your documents for the background check process. I know it can seem a little invasive. It takes a long time. We really require a lot from you, but we're very, very excited to show you around. But before we get started, just a few ground rules, okay? Everybody ready? And she looks at everyone. If you look around, no one is giving her anything. <laughs> Ticket, ticket <laughs> nods. Yeah, you know. Okay, okay. She's so she says, "I see a nod. I get a nod." Okay, we're gonna keep going. Everybody's ready. Okay, first, we're not gonna be asking you to give up any of your possessions. I know it's wild. That includes any weapons that you might have. But just so you know, for both your protection and ours, including from that really motley crew up front, right? Ugh, rude. Rocky and Bullwinkle here will be joining us for the whole tour, okay? <laughs> okay. And she gestures sort of excitedly at these two people who do not move a muscle. They, it is like they are carved from stone. They are perfectly motionless classic rocky and bullwinkle lash comms tk and says do you think their names are really rocky and bullwinkle tk replies and says yes <laughs> second while we would love and i really mean that we would love for you to go ahead and spread the message of the Chaz to all of your friends and family, we are going to politely request that you not take any photos, make any videos or audio recordings of any, and she claps again, any part of the tour. Bib takes a picture. <laughs> to ensure that, we ask that you invite our host here, and she points to some information that sort of like pops up above her head, like over to the side, to give you one mark. This will be enough for us to monitor your actions, just to keep everyone honest without giving us any access to any of your private information. And of course, once you leave the premises, the mark will expire. No funny business. You have my word. If you're uncomfortable with this, we totally understand. We thank you for your interest in the Chaz, and we hope to see you again sometime soon. Uh, Lash 
allows the mark to come on her comm link because she doesn't use it. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, for lashes, like definitely <laughs> yeah. does not. And matter. it's a mark on your on your comm link. Okay, all right. TK um allows it, but uh, on his I guess on his comm link, and then uh, futzes with his deck for a minute, and uh, oh, cues up the the program paint job, which is the one that allows you to remove marks. For those listening who don't know, they don't know I have a deck, do they? You, d- I think you don't know. You can roll to see if you can figure out if they know, uh, but I think that would be difficult. Um, yeah, I think you, I think it's I think know. it's fine. You know, yeah. just get the get the program ready just in case. Some people, as you all are sort of like you know, as Lash is fiddling with her calm uh, and allowing the host to invite the mark, then you get the mark. You know, TK does the same, but he's also you know, like I imagine you are making sure that your deck is running silent. You're flipping over some of the oh, um, yeah. some of yeah it's some chilling, of the matrix dude. attributes. It's yeah, defense uh, is up. As you're doing this, you actually you actually do hear some people say like they're talking to one another, and one of them's like. You should, should we should we do it and the other one is like i don't i don't know that makes me kind of uncomfortable and they're like i, I mean I, like i like i heard that they're like pretty good and respectful of this kind of thing but like oh, i don't know and they're like and the other one is like no you know what Let, we got it let's we, I, we can't we got it let's go and then they both just leave so like some people do decide to leave the tour because they don't want to do this viv allows it with a huff <laughs> does she like sign out of her uh her accounts or anything like that beforehand she already has a fake heart oh, account right. running. Okay, cool. For Agnes. You accept the mark and a few seconds go by and Krista is talking to Rocky and Bullwinkle, is turning around, is looking at the crew and uh, she uh, sort of looks off into space for a second. She sort of like tugs on the side of her beanie and then she looks at you and she says, uh, ma'am, ma- ma'am, ma- oh. uh, in the in the calf, yes, you, and she points, she says, uh, could you please delete the photo that you took? I- I'm getting, uh, I'm get- someone's telling me that there is a, which I understand you, you took it before we explained the rules, but if you could delete it, that would be great. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, how do I do that? <laughs> she takes a little too long to do it. Great. <laughs> okay, now that all looks to be in order. Let's get this tour started. <laughs> You are now leaving Fun City. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, get access to bonus one-off episodes, our bi-weekly post-episode chat show, Fun Chatty, and our Discord, head on over to patreon.com forward slash funcityventures. And of course, thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat. Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and you can find me online at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N, on Twitter and Twitch. On Instagram, I'm Bijan Cakes, B-I-J-A-N Cakes. I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Vivian Lakewood, and you can find me online at Randwitches. Hey, this is Nick Gersio. I play Lux Scythe, and you can find me online at N Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O, on Instagram, and at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter. I'm Shannon O'Dell. I play Lash Goodbog, and you can find me on social media at Shodell, at S-H-O-D-E-L-L. I am Taylor Moore, and I play all the bad guys, I think. Is that how it works? It's not clear. You can follow me online at taylor.biz. And my name is Mike Rugnetta. I am your GM. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube at 
Mike Rignetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. Fun City was recorded in Taylor's Kitchen in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. It was produced by Taylor, edited by Sam Grant, and sound designed by me, Mike Rignetta. Pixel Riffs also has calves of steel. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, and Kit Pulliam. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. 